Yeah, yeah, old school. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, this ain't for everybody. Some of y'all need to hear this. I know you're in the trenches fighting. Yeah, yeah, old school. That's what I'm talking about. Listen, this ain't for everybody. Some of y'all need to hear this. I know you're in the trenches fighting. But check it out. I'm going to put it down like this so I can help the saints understand. Everything you're going through is all part of the master plan. Or what? You thought because you got saved, everything was going to be peaches and cream? You better wake up, son. Don't nothing come to a sleeper but a drink. Faith without works is dead. Read your Bible. You know what it says. He who don't work, don't eat. Slackers don't get fed. Huh, yeah. Jesus said, he who puts his hands to the plow looks back the same ain't fit. Some of y'all ain't been in the Christmas five minutes and you about ready to quit. I ain't mad at you. I'm just hitting you with the real. <laughs> if you died for me and I was still tripping, now how you think that make you feel? Check this out. Deep game. This here's deep, huh? Some of y'all ain't sawing nothing but you're studying trying to reach, huh? But after him who's able to possess your father's by his glory. Struggles might be part of your testimony, but it ain't the end of the story. Now the point is to cry. Sing your hook right here and see if the church can relate. Transitioned her career into a full-time sex 
an intimacy educator and coach. She is now a certified somatica sex and intimacy coach. I'm messing up today. Sexological, sexological body worker, holistic pelvic care practitioner, and tantra educator and somatic experience and trauma practitioner. I just had to slow down for a minute. I'm so I'm so I'm so excited about wanting to know what some of these things are. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> why are you laughing at me? <laughs> I'm just I'm just having a good time. It's a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. And it's it's a it's a great day and it's a great day to be alive. So. Tell our listeners a little bit about who you are. I mean, I I tried to tell them something, but I know it's always better coming from <laughs> you. Yeah. Well, um, I think as you said, um, I used to be a lawyer in New York, um, and I was also living in a marriage. I have two adult children now. Uh, for but I was in a sexless marriage for over two decades, actually twenty six years to be absolutely correct, accurate. Um, and when I finally left the marriage, which was in my late forties, I um, really needed to take a look at what was going on and why. I hated sex so much because it really wasn't my husband's fault. It was most of it was coming from me. And, you know, that just made me really um, take this really deep dive into understanding sexuality and understanding my own issues around sexuality. And it was such a intense and, um, healing experience for me that I decided not to be, do anything in New York anymore, not to work in the business world. And I moved to California uh, to the left coast, I, I think we would say. And, um, and I became a full-time sex and intimacy um, educator and coach and um, on a lot of other things, as you said, <laughs> I have a lot of other training in this area, but it's all having to do with human sexuality and helping, primarily helping women who are disconnected from their sexuality, who don't have like desire, don't enjoy sex, and couples who are in sexless marriages, really helping them learn how to like heal that and to reconnect so they can have like great sex and a great sex life. A lot of people don't even know what great sex is. But I'm still I'm yeah. still stuck on the first part. From a, a from a lawyer to a sex intimacy coach. Yeah. Uh, um, what kind what kind well, of law was you practicing, may I ask? It wasn't interesting. I, I was uh I did healthcare <laughs> law. Okay. Um, I didn't do it for, I only did it for a couple of years and then, but I was, uh, still working in the healthcare field, running healthcare organizations. I've always been fascinating and interest, interested in, in healthcare. And this is really just another aspect, if you will, of healthcare, women's right. sexual health. Yeah. Um, so, so you said, you, you said you're still stuck on that. How can I help you unstick it? <laughs> 
Like what? What, what well, are you? What? Uh, well, I guess when I usually think of attorneys, I, I, I usually, I, I well, not usually, but I always think of attorneys as these um, these people that are, you know, brain motivated. I mean, thinkers. And yep. uh, a sexless and a sexless marriage for that long, and I guess I was trying to figure out how did you, how how did you manage that? Um, you know, I was very very busy. I was um, uh, I was very busy, and um, I didn't really like having sex it didn't feel it never felt good for me it wasn't comfortable it wasn't pleasurable it was very painful and you know I was you know so we had our two kids pretty early on and once we were done with having kids I was pretty much done with sex and um why did we stay together I guess we stayed together for the kids we, you know, we were, good. we were good. We were good. I'm sorry. I'm yes. A bad host. <laughs> but but no, you're no. making these questions, these questions jump out of my head. Um, wh- okay. I don't want to. I mean, yeah, I can. I mean, was it that you just didn't enjoy it, or you just didn't like who it was with, or a combination of both? No, it wasn't. It wasn't that. It was. It was that. It was. It was actually less than enjoyable. It was also painful. It painful, actually hurt every time pain, we had pain. sex. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. physical pain. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. so that made it very unenjoyable. I enjoyed my, you know, at the time, I liked my, you know, my husband. Like, you know, I, I, I thought I was in love with him. I think I probably was. Um, so yeah, so that, 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 I don't know where I am on my story, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, I, I don't think this is that unusual a pattern. I think what's unusual is staying in the marriage for that long, but, you know, when, you know, couples get together and when things start falling apart in the bedroom, they usually start falling apart in the relationship as well, and that was definitely, you know, our experience so but you know I I think you know neither one of us were really willing to address it and we had these two kids and we were really good parents and you know we were a good like family unit we we just weren't lovers which you know I know in retrospect I'm like oh my god did you really do that did you really stay in that marriage for that long but it took a long (laughs) time for me to be it's true, but like it took a long time for me to be able to even be at the place where I was willing to even look at this issue and address it because I was so felt so broken. I just didn't I didn't even think like there was a possibility to do anything different, you know. So this this is a pattern that a, a lot of women find themselves in. What what about what about the guys? Is there a similar experience that they go through? Well, I mean, most men don't think sex is painful. I have very, very rarely heard that. Um, uh, But um, certainly men can struggle with erection issues. That's not at all uncommon. If they're not feeling, you know, 
that's painful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. That's that's very. You're right. You're right. That's very emotionally painful. Right. That's very very painful to a man. I completely agree with that. Um, but that's I think what you know typically one of the things that um, you know men will face as well. And you know it it's not just the physical issues. There's always a a relationship or like an emotional component right that's also there's something else not working in the relationship i mean it certainly was that way with us you know we were really good uh parents but we didn't really take care i i felt like my needs were really not taken care of very well my emotional needs like we were not we had terrible communication we could never talk about sex um, or, you know, anything charged like that, right? So it's it's a lot of different factors that um, end up causing uh, a marriage or a sex life to really start falling apart. It doesn't, it usually happens gradually too, right? It doesn't happen all at once typically. Do, uh, do you feel some of this um, because both people start taking each other for granted? That definitely can happen, that people start taking each other for granted. I think also, I mean, in in a relationship where it's not that, you know, there's not a physical issue as there was with me, even though it was all emotional, but in, in in a most of the couples, many of the couples that I see who are in sexless marriages, I think they start taking each other for granted and more important, and I guess this is part of it, like, nobody makes sex a priority in the relationship, right? It just, it's just becomes not that important. Um, And I guess that's part of taking each other for granted as well. So yes, I think that is definitely one of the reasons that this happens. I I did a show earlier on and I was kind of laughing, but this thought just popped into my mind is that, you know, I had some women come on to the show, and they were talking about how um, their their men friends or a husband, you know, didn't make love to them anymore, and, you know, the passion wasn't there, and the excitement it wasn't there anymore. And, um, you know, I asked them a question. I said, well, what do you wear um you know when when you go to bed at night i mean how how do how do you dress and i explained to her that you know we men are visual you know mm-hmm. so um she said that uh she you know sometimes she wear her uh her raiders uh shirt or her chicago bear shirt and I said, well, mm-hmm. that's the problem. I said, that's the problem right there. I said, the man want to go to bed with his woman. He don't want to go to bed with his homeboy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or his, or his, or his, the mother of his children. <laughs> well, yeah, well, that could be too. But I mean, you know, I, I know women have a tire to kind of get past all of that. You know, but I think that goes mm-hmm. back to what we just talked about, taking a relationship for granted and you've been with these right. this person um for a while and um you, you you have to find a way to get the shine back into it. I guess it does get dull when you do the same thing over and over again and with the pressures of society working and going through all that crazy and then you come home and then your significant other look crazy. Mm. So, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I also, I, you know what, I tell women this all the time because when I work with women, a lot of them do lose their desire. They, they don't feel like they have a, their sex drive is dead. And, you know, I tell them all the time, like, we've got to get you back into your sexy, like feeling sexy. And, and often, you know, I also recommend, you know, like wear sexy clothes, wear sexy underwear, like, you know, make yourself not even for your partner, but for yourself, right? Like it, we have to feel it, right? We have to feel it ourselves. And when we feel it ourselves, I think when a, a, a woman who feels really sexy, it doesn't kind of, well, yeah, men are visual, but it doesn't matter as much what they wear because they act sexy, whether they're wearing a Raiders t-shirt or, you know, a really hot you know, piece of lingerie. But I, I, we, we definitely have to feel into our sexy. I think that's a I'll huge issue for, for women. Yeah, you go for, for the lingerie. lingerie. Okay, great. Perfect. I love I love wearing sexy lingerie. I have a whole slew of it in my closet. So. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Oh, oh, okay, callers, you heard that one. Caller number six four six nine two nine twenty eight seventy. She got a whole slew of it in her closet. <laughs> so tell us, um, what is a sexual blueprint? And how does it impact mm. our adult sexual interaction? I mean, that's almost two questions because I don't even know what a sexual blueprint is. What is that? All right. So a sexual blueprint. Well, I, I can, like, ask you questions and we can figure out your sexual blueprint. Would that be okay? Yes. Go for it. Okay. So so sexual blueprint is really, Lamont, like, what were the messages that your parents or religion told you about sex? Like, so the questions I would ask is like, did you ever see your parents kissing? Did they touch each other? Did they, you know, was there affection in the family? Like, did you have a sense of what their relationship was like growing up as a, as a kid? Yes. Yes. Question. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's, uh, no. So, so if you had like, you know, so that, so that would be like, you know, a question. Like, do you, do you, you oh, know, the okay. messages that you receive. Right. Yeah. So that, that's right. the question I'm asking. Like, if we were to look at your blueprint, we don't have to do this. That could be too vulnerable. But um, if we were to do this, we would look at like, what were the messages that you received as a kid? So I can, I can use my example. So my, my mom was a widow at a very, very early age. And she never dated. Um, and so I got no messages about sex whatsoever. It was never discussed. I never saw romance or any type of sexuality or affection from a woman and a man, you know, growing up, right? And so not having that really has an impact on how you relate to sex as an adult. I mean, I also got negative messages from her. Um, not about a lot of people get negative messages like don't have sex or, you know, that those type of messages. But I just got like negative messages about, you know, your body is, she's, she wasn't comfortable with her body. That made me uncomfortable with my body as well. So negative messages that we get, and a lot of women, 
uh, get very negative messages around sex, especially if they grew up in a very religious um, background or even some like a, a lot of Islam cultures, a lot of Asian cultures have very negative uh, messages that they, they provide about sex and that impacts us as an adult. It makes us feel not comfortable about our body, not able to talk about it because it feels uncomfortable, um, feeling, you know, like there's, so there's lots of, in a lot of um, cultures that I, I work with, there's this, there's this belief that like you can only have sex with, when you're married with your husband or your wife, but then nobody teaches you how to do it. And so people are just like, you know, they, they are completely, they're, they're unprepared, right? There's a lot of, you know, places in which people are not prepared. So those, are, those type of messages really impact, you know, sex. And, and if, you know, if you've had abuse, sexual abuse or physical abuse or emotional abuse, that has a huge impact on how we, how comfortable, how safe we feel um, around our sexuality and having sex with another partner. And, and it could do a couple of things. It could make you like really promiscuous, you know, um, or it can make you like totally shut down. Do you feel like the people in the United States shun talking about sex uh, more so than other countries? I think that there's this very, very weird um, there's this very weird attitude that it happens in, in the U.S., and I would say in some European countries, because they vary, but um, where, like, sex is everything. We, you know, sex sells. You know, commercials are sexy. You know, the halftime show is sexy, right? Like, all of this stuff sells. Um, but we really, as a as a nation, are not very comfortable talking about our own sexuality. So I think that there's a lot of um, discomfort in this in this country for sure. I think people have a lot of shame around sex, you know, and and bot and bodies too, like a lot of discomfort around bodies and they kind of go hand in hand. If you're not comfortable with your body, if you're not comfortable seeing a naked body, being a naked body, it's really hard to like let yourself go sexually. So I think that's another big challenge um, that we have in this country. And in some other countries, it's not like that, you know, like some of the European countries where, you know, you know, they have topless beaches, like that's just the way they are. Right? right, or nude beaches, right. or nude beaches for that matter. And people are like totally comfortable. You know, they get into baths together, and you know, they, I think they have a, a they have a different attitude around their bodies, which makes them have a different attitude around sex as well, for sure. Yeah, I can understand. I can definitely believe that. Um, I was thinking about uh, what you're saying a few minutes ago about being unprepared. I mean. I know I was when I first started. When I first started, I didn't even know that you were supposed to insert anything. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. You know, that didn't turn out well. Right. So, but you know, but that's because like we're 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 unprepared because we don't get the sex education, you know, that we should be getting. 
you know, like we just do a horrible job in, in the whole education system, and now we just have a lot of abstinence education that the federal government actually pays for. Um, and, and then parents, you know, because of our own discomfort around sex, don't really do a very good job of talking to their kids about sex. So, you know, where do we learn about sex? From movies, which is completely unrealistic. Now more from porn, which is also completely unrealistic um, and is not a really good sex education program. <laughs> I, can never, I can never think of one time my parents had any conversation with me about sex. All they told me is, boy, you better not come in here with no babies. Exactly right. That's the message that, you got. Don't get the, her. Don't get her pregnant. The, that, yep, that was the extent of it. You know, that yeah. was it. <laughs> right. Don't so there you go. That's that's part of your. That's right. So that's part of your sexual blueprint, right? Like that's the messages that you got, right? So so you didn't have any you know, information or education and, you know, and so, you know, not even knowing like that, you know, sex is, sex can be about intercourse and you didn't even know what that was. It's like, yeah, well, that's because nobody's teaching us. And unfortunately, you know, you mentioned the schools. Unfortunately, when I was going to school, they didn't even have no sex education in none of those classes. Right, right. So like you said, either we got it from uh, the movies or, out in the street, uh, somebody's next door neighbor. Um, right. That was it. Yeah. Right. You know, and it, it's it's funny. Like I I think about like, you know, if, when you teach a kid how to drive a car, right? You like actually have a class for teaching kids how to drive a car. It's a skill, right? You would never just say, oh, here. I mean, maybe you would, but yeah, just get in the car and start driving. No, like you teach them where the brakes are and where the steering wheel is and where the blinkers are and all this other stuff. Like we do a better job of teaching our kids how to drive cars than we do of teaching them how to use their bodies and how to have sex. And, you know, it's, it's crazy. And like some of the countries in the Netherlands, um, they have very, very strong sex education programs that actually start when the kids are like, I, I want to say like elementary school, late late elementary school, right, where they, they start to talk about it um, and they really normalize it and make it really comfortable for them. And they also, shockingly, um, teach them that sex is supposed to be about pleasure. And, you know, I mean, even if you have sex education, you never get that information. So we do a horrible job. No wonder, you know, we're such a screwed up society sexually and, you know, what, like 25% of couples are in sexless marriages. That's a really high percentage. You know, and it seemed like, it seemed like we hear more about uh, the, the negativity, negative things associated with it than mm-hmm. to uh, any positive uh, health benefits. Why is that, you think? Uh, because we're a shaming society. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I mean, we love to shame people. And, um, you know, we also like, you know, you know, it's, um, we're such a, we're such a like news. I didn't want to say news isn't even the right word. What am I thinking of? Like, 
you know, uh, we, we like to get off on like all of this. Um, oh, I can't think of the word. I'm sorry. But um, when you say shame, I think in, it comes from uh, judgmental type people, the same people yeah. want to judge somebody else from what they do. And yeah, 90 percent of those yeah, we're people very, we're you know, very they judgmental do the same society. thing the worst. Right. Oh, sensational. That's what I was trying to think. So like, yeah, the, you know, the, the sensational things, right. The negative sensational things, those capture people's attention. I mean, how often on TV have you ever heard, you know, in a, in a news cast or any of those shows, like talk about, you know, great ways to have sex. Like that just doesn't happen. But we talk about all of the negative things around it, the sexual yeah. abuse. I mean, those are important. It's good that we're talking about it, but that's the type of stuff that actually people are interested in talking about. I don't know why that is in this society, but. <laughs> well, like you said, the negative, the negative sensationalism, I guess that's what sells. But then again, like you said, yeah. it's kind of like sick, sick in a sense because everybody know it's negative we know those things go on go on daily and i'm I'm sure we need to be aware but seem like they they just pounce on it pounce on it pounce on it and they don't even try to balance it out with anything that's positive right i mean it's 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 really interesting because you know i uh since i wrote this book i have like publicists working for me um and it's been you know, when the whole um, Brett Kavanaugh thing was going on and I was on the radio all the time talking about sexual abuse and trauma constantly, right? That's what people wanted to talk about. And I was so happy to be able to provide that information. But, you know, they are, they are actually uncomfortable about talking about other things in my book, which is about pleasure, or, you know, anything that's more positive, right? Um, so, you know, you just, you find it everywhere. <laughs> the right. discomfort talking about, you know, what, something that should be a very comfortable, normal thing for us to talk about. And it's true, right? Like having, you know, couples who do have sex have a much, much higher likelihood of staying together for the long term. And there's lots of data and research. We do do a lot of research studies, for sure. But um, there's a lot of data and research that shows that, right? And that there's also very positive health benefits for people to have sex. Like, there's all sorts of great things that happen when you have sex, hormonally, psychologically, emotionally, like all sorts of ways in which different hormones start, you know, coursing through our body and also really good for our heart and, you know, all sorts of other ways in which having sex keeps us healthier. But who talks about that? Hardly, hardly anyone. <laughs> Unfortunately, you think if I, I do. You think if I had, you think if I had sex, it would make my hair grow a little more. I think it would definitely make your hair grow a little bit more. <laughs> okay, I'm being, being silly again. Your hair is okay. gonna grow. Well, your nails are gonna grow. You know. <laughs> uh, all righty then. Okay, I'm gonna look forward to that one. Well, tell, tell us, uh-huh. tell us, tell us this one. What is a holistic 
health care and why is it so important for women, especially after childbirth? I hope does that mean is it tightens stuff up a little bit? Well, t- talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, so um, so holistic pelvic care is a practice um, that was created actually by a woman, Tammy Lynn Kent, who is a pelvic floor physical therapist. So like there are physical therapists who just work with the pelvic floor for both women and men. Um, and she also is, you know, she is a very, I, I would say she's got a very strong sense of her uh, connection to her spiritual self as well. And so the philosophy around holistic pelvic care is that women, women's pelvic bowl holds a lot of our emotions and our hurts uh, and our wounding and um, and it when we have a we can have a lot of blockages in this area and the blockages are more um they're more kind of like energetic like the energy just isn't really flowing because ideally in your pelvic bowl the energy should just be flowing so the, everything's flowing the blood is flowing the energy is flowing but because we hold so much of our emotions and our history in our pelvic bowl, areas of the body, these areas of the body get blocked. Um, And it's both energetic blockage and also physical blockage. So holistic pelvic care, uh, in holistic pelvic care, what we do is we do very gentle internal massage to try to get the blood flowing again, um, which is very helpful, especially after surgery or after childbirth, Um, and we just try to unblock places where there's, um, the, 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 the blood and the energy isn't actually flowing and it helps to kind of reset the whole pelvic area, which is really important for women because there's so much, um, there's so much tissue that can get injured and that can get tight. You know, the, the pelvis has just the whole, the woman's vagina is just filled with muscles and those muscles can get really tight and that can make sex uncomfortable. Um, during childbirth, things shift, the bladder shifts, the uterus shifts. And so holistic pelvic care helps to clear some of those blockages to loosen you know, up some of these areas where there's a lot of tightness and uh, so that the energy can start flowing again. Do do women um, know when they have this type of uh, blockage or when they need this type of care? Or is it something that some you have to point out to them? Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question. Um, I would say that um, there are some women especially after childbirth, women who are very well, like, connected to their body, who will come and say, like, there's just something just not right. I'm not feeling that connected to my body. I'm feeling disconnected from my sexuality. Or I'm feeling discomfort. Like, I can feel something shifted, but I don't know what it is. So some women are very, very aware of it. 
Um, and then there are a lot of women who are not aware of it because they've really never thought about it. They don't understand it. Um, and it's interesting because in, I think it's in, in, it's in Canada and in the UK, in, in, in England, um, they actually, uh, as part of, you know, their national health service, women who have had babies, postpartum women, actually get a couple of sessions of this type of uh, holistic pelvic care. They don't call it holistic pelvic care. They, do, they call it something else, but basically like uh, internal vaginal massage. This is actually part of the standard care um, for women after having delivered in, in other countries, right? So they're aware that, you know, this is actually very healthy to help the healing, to help energy start flowing again, and to help a woman feeling like reconnected with her body. But of course, we don't do that here. <laughs> and, I, and I so want to ask you, how do they do an internal vaginal massage? Yeah, I mean, really just very, very gently with your with your fingers, like the inside of a woman's vagina actually feels like the inside of your mouth. The, the, and, and in fact, structurally, the, woman, the vagina and the mouth have a lot of similarities. They're both very muscular. Um, the tissue is quite similar in terms of how... Uh, tender it is and also like the consistency of it and you can get the same tightnesses and there's actually a relationship if a if a woman clenches her teeth a lot and has a lot of tension in her jaw then that also creates a lot of tension in the pelvis so it's just a very gentle massage using fingers Typically, you can you can use a tool, but typically using fingers. And women can do this on themselves. Like I teach women how to do this themselves, where you literally just massage the tissues inside the vagina using some oil, usually or uh, lubrication. I like oil um, to to soften them up and to start to release the tension. And you'll actually feel it. You'll actually feel a muscle that feels really tight and a woman will say it feels tender or sore. And then if you just gently like keep a little bit of pressure on it, you'll start to feel it like any other muscle start to soften up and then open up. There's like an opening. So not unlike when you're doing a massage on, you know, a partner's body, like on their back and you feel like kind of a knot. And if you work it for a little bit, you'll start to feel it soften. It's the same kind of thing. What causes yeah. a uh, woman? What causes a woman to lose their desire for sex, and how can a woman reclaim her libido? Outside, um, I know one good thing is some emotional distress, but what are some mm-hmm. other things that could cause it? I, I think that's like a huge piece of it. Uh, um, when a woman is especially who's in a relationship and there's a lot of issues around um, not feeling um, good about their partner, being angry with the partner, or just feeling disconnected, like really just disconnected. 
then uh, women tend to lose their desire for sex, right? Because for, for many women, and also for some men, we really need to feel like connected. We want to feel emotionally connected with our partner, like they care for us and they hear us and they see us and we're important before we want to actually have sex with them. And it's not because we're being mean. It's not like, you know, we're holding it back and saying like, you know, we're not going to give it to you unless, you know, you, you're good to us. But it, it really is a, a place in which women go to, sex after feeling emotionally connected with a partner. It's just something interesting about women, different than men, because most men, many men, actually feel more closer, feel closer to their partner after they've had sex. So men go to, right? Yeah, we tend to want to mark our spot. Yeah, exactly. So men go to, you know, men go to sex for intimacy and women need to have intimacy before sex, right? Which can make it very challenging. And this is one of the um, challenges that I see a lot, right? Like we have different ways in which we operate. So that's one piece, but that's a, that's a big piece. Um, I think there's a lot of other things that make women lose their desire for sex. Uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with maybe not feeling desired by their partner, like what you said before, being taken for granted. Um, and um, another thing that makes women lose their desire for sex is maybe sex isn't that good to begin with, you know? Like maybe their partner doesn't really know what they're doing. Maybe they're doing the same thing. Women get bored very easily. There was another research study that just came out that also talked about how much more so than men, women get bored with sex. And they need a lot, yeah, they need a lot more stimulation. They need to do different things. They need to have different positions. They need, and women get bored easily. Um, So, you know, that's a big piece in, in relationships, right? Like, how do you keep it fun? How do you keep it exciting? How do you keep it, you know, different? Um, So that's another reason why women lose their desire. Yeah, really interesting, right? Um, you know, and, and, and I think a lot of men and a lot of men don't really think that cause they figure like, look, I didn't went to work all day long. I take care of everything, and uh, now when it comes to the bedroom situation, uh, their partner just supposed to take care of them, and they go to sleep. Exactly. That's not the way. That is not the way. Um, that's not the way it works. I mean, some women lose their desire for sex because they feel just exactly that, right? Like they're having obligation sex. Like you know, I really am not enjoying it. It's not that pleasurable for me. My partner really isn't turning me on, um, but I feel obligated to take care of his needs. But it doesn't feel that good for me. So after a while. That just makes you, that just kills your libido. And then, you know, probably the biggest thing that kills desire, and this is for both men and women, is stress, right? Like stress is a huge desire killer, huge desire killer. That's major. That's major. What would you tell, what would you tell the men and women uh, that could really help get their sexy back? Because, you know, you hear a lot of relationships where, um, either or, or both simultaneously let themselves go. 
and then they find themselves not attracted to each other. What could you tell them that could help them get that sexy back? Well, I think, you know, the first thing is to um, just to try to just, with a partner, like, try to, like, be get get really curious and, you know, like, spend time exploring things that you've never explored before. I mean, I feel like one of the things that happens for both men and women is that sex happens really quickly. There's not enough foreplay. Um, so, like, spending more time in foreplay, slowing everything down so that you can really – be with each other and connect with each other so it's not like yeah we're just going to like do this and get it over with but like yeah no we're actually going to really spend time with each other we're going to really touch each other um we're gonna you know make out with each other you know you have to accept your body for what it is right you said like people let themselves go i'm not sure what you mean by that but um you know like you have to be let me let me let me clarify that I know when okay. people are together for a period of time, you know, everybody changes, nobody's body stays the same. And right. and, and like and like we said earlier in the show that um we the people sometimes tend to be a little bit more uh, uh um judgmental, uh who's brought on by society because we always see these bathing suit models or, or the guys, you know, with the six pack, that's what we see. But in reality, right. you know, everybody's body's not like that. You know what I mean? Right. And so, right. Um, and so that's what I mean by letting yourself go. Not so much as as physically, but start, I guess that's coupled with taking each other for granted too. Where you just stop fixing yourself up. The woman don't fix herself up no more for a guy because right. I got you now. Uh, the guy the same right. thing. You know, his guts hanging down to his knees. Uh, he don't, he just don't. You know what I'm saying? He, he the grooming just went out the door, went out the window. So of course, you know that doesn't really turn his woman on, and his woman got the same thing happening with her. So that don't really turn him on either. So where do they pump the brakes? Yeah. Uh, where do they turn that around? Yeah, I mean, I think first of all, it's just like as as you said, like first, like an awareness of like, oh wow, like we're really we're not making each other a priority. We're not making our sex life our priority, having a conversation around it. Like that you've got to start with communication and talking and saying like, Hey, like we got to do something about this. What are we going to do about it? Right. And you know, that is the most important thing is just to begin communicating. And from there, I think you can decide how you want to go forward. I mean, I, there's lots of, you know, um, my book has, a lot of different exercises and tips and tools to, you know, help you bring back your desire and to feel, get more in touch with your body and to feel more in touch with your pleasure. But, you know, ultimately there's got to be, it's got to start with um, a conversation that, you know, we've got to together, you know, do something about this and let's talk about what that's going to be and what do you really want? What are you missing? What am I missing? What do I need? You know, what are different things that uh, we can try that we've never tried before? So that's the first thing is to be able to really communicate 
around it. And, and maybe, you know, the decision is like, hey, we're going to go to the gym together or we're going to start taking walks together or something, right, if you, if you feel like you want to be physically, more physically active with each other. Because I think when we are physically active, I know, when we are physically active, that's part of what makes us feel sexy and healthy and alive, right? And it's a lot harder to have that drive when we're sitting on the couch, all the time when we get home from work right like when when you I know that like I will often like you know when I used to work with men more frequently um, and they would come to me and they would just be like you know really having struggling with their sex drive I would send them to like kickboxing classes and like really intense like get get your heart going get the aerobic conditioning going like start to move some of the energy around your body that in itself can start to, you know, change your desire for you to get more in touch with, um, with your body. So, yeah. Right. So well, what mind shifts uh, would you say are necessary to have a more satisfying, fun, and juicy sex life? Would you say um, open, honest communication would be one of them? Yeah, I mean, open, honest communication is, I think, a really important mindset shift. I think another one that um, another one that I think is really important is I call it I call it redefining what sex is. So we have this like belief that sex is just you know intercourse. That's it. That's what it is. Um, and I don't think that's true at all. I think there's lots of different ways in which people can have sex without even necessarily, without having to have intercourse at all. Uh, and I think that's part of what needs to happen is it maybe like I'm too tired for intercourse, but man, I would love to get naked and cuddle and just touch each other all over. Right. Or maybe, you know, I'm not in the mood for intercourse, but man, I'd love to sit down and have a high school makeout with you. Um, and so I think there's a lot of, you know, I think we need to really redefine sex when we talk about what sex is. There's, I think we miss a lot of opportunities for some really juicy connection when the whole focus is just on um, intercourse. So I think that's one huge piece for a mindset shift. Uh, and I think another mindset shift is um, uh, to really slow everything down. Uh, you know, in general, I, I'm a huge fan of just slowing life down because I think we are all moving at way too fast a pace and it's not healthy for us. It's one of the reasons I left New York and moved to California because of the, the at least here in Northern California, I just came back from Los Angeles. I was there for a week recording my book and the pace there is insane. But at least here in San Francisco, like everything is much calmer and quieter <laughs> and slower than New Long. York and L.A. <laughs> Longer um, there's no more earthquakes. Yeah, well, there's that, of course. But, you know, uh, so <clears throat> I think that's another thing is just to be able to, like, slow sex down, just slow everything down, slow your touch down, slow down the initiation of sex, slow down foreplay, like slow everything down will make a huge difference in, in people's sex lives because they'll feel more. And, you know, one of the reasons that, that women, I think, lose their desire is because they're just not really aroused enough before sex. 
So sex just doesn't right. feel that good. And it's a big issue. And guys just want to jump exactly. in and hit it and get it. But here's a good one. Here's mm-hmm. a good one. Here's a good one. Here's a good one. I know everybody want to know this one. How can a long-term couple keep their romance and physical intimacy alive over decades? Well, uh, I think I said it earlier before. You know, all of the research shows that couples that can keep their intimacy alive are very they're they're curious. They do different things. They you know they do not have sex the same way. They don't have sex in the same place in the house, um, in the same positions. They explore. You know they they're, they they it's the the research seems to show that not only do they explore in their sex life, but they explore in their life too. So they don't always go to the same restaurant. They go to different restaurants. They don't always hang out in the same part of town. They go to different parts of town. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they're very curious and constantly doing new things. So I think one of the best things that you can do in your sex life is to stay very curious and to try new things. Take a workshop, read a erotic book together, like a sexy book together, you know, watch porn together. Like there's so many different ways that you can have a really interesting sex life and people are just not creative enough, but there's a million ways. There's a very good book. It's called the guide to getting it on. I did not write it, but it's called the guide to getting it on. And it's like a 500 page book and every single page pretty much has like a new thing that you can do. So, um, you know, there's, there's endless types of sexual activities that are possible. And I think that's how long-term couples keep it together. And they also make it a priority. Like as unsexy as it sounds, I tell all my couples, you have got to put it on the calendar. You just do. If you don't put it on Friday the calendar, night at it's 730. not going We're having yeah, Friday night at 735. We're having, we're having a sex date. You know, Friday night is our sex night. You know, but like if you don't put it on the calendar, it doesn't happen because then you get an invitation for dinner or the kids want to come over or blah, 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 whatever it is. Right. Um, And, you know, you have to make it successful long term couples make it a priority. And they also have really good communication. They're able to talk about it. You know, we can have a check in and, you know, long term couples like not every day. And every month is going to be like the sexiest month. Like, you know, there are common ups and downs that happen in relationship and it happens in people's sex lives too, but they know how to talk about it. Like to be able to say, Hey, you know, like this hasn't been a very sexy month for us, you know, like I'm super stressed out at work and you know, you're getting over a cold or whatever, but let's make sure that next month, like we go away for a weekend or, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, so they're, they're not right. afraid to say like, Hey, this is what's going on. Hey, we, we got to make an adjustment here. And that also really will help a long-term couple keep a juicy, intimate sex life by being really honest about what's going on. Yeah, communication, I guess, there is key. Our switchboard is uh, lit up. I'm surprised somebody haven't punched in yet for a gang of questions. Um, oh, what, wow. uh, what is what, yeah, what is uh, a Tantra, and how can that improve your sex life? Oh, so Tantra. So Tantra is a is actually an ancient spiritual practice. I think when most people think of Tantra, uh, they either think of orgies, 
Uh, or they think of, I think it was Sting, wasn't it Sting who had that like crazy tantric, like full body orgasm? But, you know, Tantra is an ancient spiritual practice, but what it means is it means that we're, it means literally, it means to weave. And in Tantra, we basically weave together like our physical body with our partner, our, the energy between us, the sexual energy between us. And then we kind of bring in, we, 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 connect with our sexual energy and our partner's sexual energy through doing some different practices. So we use a lot of breath and a lot of sound and a lot of movement. So it's a very, it can be a very active, um, tantric lovemaking can be a very active sort of practice. Um, and, and our goal is to try to connect with some sort of spiritual bliss, right? To achieve a state of bliss, if you will. Through, through using our sexual energy. Um, and so on a practical level, Tantra is really a great practice to make a couple feel really connected with each other. It creates a lot of intimacy. When we sit in front of our partner and we look at them in the eyes and we just like spend some time looking at each other, which most couples do not do, you know, it creates a lot of connection. It, it often creates a lot of tears when I do this practice with couples and I just have them sit and look at each other for a couple of minutes often they both start crying because they realize how much they've missed this or how disconnected they feel Um, but that creates connection in itself right that's like that creates connection with each other so it it can be very powerful um, because it's it doesn't have a it doesn't have to have a huge focus on like intercourse it's really more about like breathing like if you sit with your partner and you look at each other and you start to connect with each other what will naturally happen is that you'll start breathing together like literally you you will start breathing together without even noticing it that's called resonance Um, like two tuning forks two tuning forks have the same kind of resonance so you basically become tuning forks and in tantra we really use that breath and breathe with our partner and we strengthen the sexual energy between the two of us. So it's a very, very powerful um, practice that creates a lot of intimacy. And, you know, if you really do it well and practice it, you can become both women and men can be become multi-orgasmic. Wow. Oh, it's a, it's, yeah, it's very powerful. Part right there. Yeah, listen, second to that. I also yeah. have some tantra practices in my book, so you can check out that. <laughs> That's just what I was finna say. We're down, man, the show flies. Time flies when you have it. <laughs> We're down to the last, like, 90 minutes of the show. But please tell our listeners where they can go get your book. Yeah, so the book is called Living an Orgasmic Life, and you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, pretty much any of the booksellers. Um, and then if you want to find out more about me, because I work with people, uh, most of my clients I work with virtually, like over, um, over Skype, uh, and I teach workshops and I have some online programs, you can go to my website, which is powerofpleasure.com, powerofpleasure.com. And that's been great. 
great. I've definitely enjoyed you today, and I hope our listeners uh, got something very informative. I'm sure they did. Learn how to spice up their relationships and what to do. And I know I'm going to go check out your book as well. And I want to say thank you again for coming to join us here on Counterplay a Play. Thank you so much. It was delightful. And hopefully we can have you again back in the future so we can learn a little bit more about um, these classes that you teach. And I hope, I, I'm sorry I didn't get to the um, the Somatica. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's all good. Yeah, <laughs> we'll get you. <laughs> that, can be, that can be next right. time. We can talk about that. Absolutely. Thank you again. We'll see you again. And Thank you. All right. Have a great afternoon. Thank you. Great. Living an orgasmic life, everybody. Uh, You can check out the show from the beginning in a couple seconds. It'll be available everywhere worldwide, and you might want to go check this out. You might need to learn a couple things. It might help you fix some things around the Ponderosa. All right. See you next week here on Can I Play a Play? Call me at the right.